You're listening to the Drinking with Friends podcast with Dan, Ben, and Mark. I don't know what the episode this is, but we have a guest oh, on oh, today. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Oh, we got the countdown thing. We have ben a countdown. Has a index card with the fucking number. <laughs> <laughs> it's stick figures. Is that right, yeah. though? Is this episode 12? Are episode sure? 12. Dose. The dozen. The Ugh. dozen. So um, we're going to do some drinking tonight. And thanks to Ben, he brought about six ounces of Fireball <laughs> that he had lying around in his fucking house somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. He brought, he he fucking brought, speak English, you stupid fuck. He I brought, mean, hi, Ben. He brought two tiny bottles of Kraken They were already rum. present. They're like four years old, I think. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So he brought two he tiny broke the bottles. bank tonight. Holy yeah. Christ. I thought it was bourbon. No, it's, it's rum. <laughs> Put on your glasses. And supposedly <laughs> there's a bottle of chocolate wine around here somewhere oh, that we didn't get to. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know where it is, Dan. During intermission, somewhere. I'll run upstairs and uh, pull it out of the garbage can. <laughs> right now, I'm drinking a Coca-Cola from McDonald's with some cinnamon. Jack Daniels cinnamon yeah. fireball some fireball shit. Thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I wish I would have known Ben was bringing over four-year-old rum, <laughs> and I would have put that and in my Coke three drops instead. of uh, <laughs> fucking what is it? fireball. Three drops. Ben's yeah. really, like, when they say, I want three fingers, well, <laughs> he's got... Well, Small fingers, yeah. You know. Ben is the guy that shows up to your barbecue with a with a holder full of six different beers that were he found in the back of his fucking refrigerator. And then he leaves with like a twelve pack that yeah. wasn't He's that guy. guy. Yeah. And then he puts that on the table and starts drinking your Heineken or your, <laughs> your IPAs, good beer. You your know. good beer. Hmm. Okay, so... I think that's called a house six-pack or something like that. <laughs> it's a Mixmaster special. But uh, today is a little special. Speaking of special. Yes, we have it's a our special first day. awesome guest. Yes. So Mark's going to do the introduction. <laughs> we all die. Uh, yeah. On, on the line, on the Zoom, we have Ed Mischke, founding member... The Ed Mischke. The Ed Mischke, founding member of Spiritual Sickness, guitar player extraordinaire, mm -hmm. and really the driving force behind the band for many, many years. He's my guitar player. You don't own him. Yes, I do. He's he owns my you. guitar player. You're the drummer. We've been playing together for what, six, seven years now, Ed? Yeah. Seven, seven, six, seven, eight. Six, What's seven, up? eight years? Yeah, something so, like that. Say hello, Ed. The fuck's up, ladies and gentlemen? How are you? Cheers, Ed. We're all drinking Cheers. a drink. Let's I, got, I, got a, I got a glass of wine here, and I'm probably glad. Perfect. That's perfect. Awesome. What, where are you right now, physically? I'm in, I'm, in my, uh, I'm in my recording studio with a guitar in my hand that I'm not allowed to play. <laughs> yes, you're not allowed to play. Oh, why not? He always shows up to band Zoom meetings with the guitar, and we're trying to, you know, discuss band business. Mm -hmm. And he's noodling around. And it all never stop for you. There you go. There it is. And then, we, then we drive him crazy a little bit. And then, go ahead. You want to give us a taste? You can give us a taste. There you go. Noodles, man. Noodles. That's that's uh, that's the Zoom software destroying any kind yeah. of audio <laughs> that we can get from it. 
we have well, a couple of notes and that was it yeah. and then uh, silence yeah. and then we're back well uh, i have a better idea why don't you just tell everybody where they can find spiritual sickness music um okay. on youtube or otherwise and then they can listen to your artistry that way so uh you can you can find all of our stuff on our uh, facebook page which is uh spiritual sickness metal and uh we're we're right now we're in the uh in the process of actually revamping our complete uh social media display of bullshit and you know and uh you know kind of getting on top of it one one thing that, that i don't have a lot of time to do and uh, keep up on the uh you know social media stuff we've got some good stuff coming up new music and you know we're, we're pretty psyched about all the new things that are going to be going on so that's great ed this is dan um i had a question regarding like as far as the band now and playing live um are you guys getting enough bookings do you have enough venues to go play at well you know the, the uh the thing about that is uh, i honestly can't answer that question honestly because we uh when the last european tour that we did the last tour and our last live playing was like three years ago and then uh our friends in uh the three tremors came to new york and uh we did four or five shows with them. So we just finally got back into playing live again. And, um, you know, as far as uh, venues, it looks like, you know, it looks like the stuff is finally, it's coming back together after the plague, you know, it's kind of destroyed everything. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lost clubs, but there's a lot of new stuff popping up. We played, we played some pretty good venues. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, the future is probably looking pretty good for places to play at this point, you know? Yeah, I feel like we're definitely going to be hitting some of the venues on the last tour that we did. And uh, we'll probably you know, be hitting some of those clubs again because we had really good responses in those places. We played Connecticut, Delaware, Jersey, Pennsylvania. Uh, we played out in Brooklyn. We had some shows lined up for upstate New York that we weren't able to make. Why was that, Ed? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, old age, shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, uh, both me and my favorite drummer, uh, uh, we, we actually, I actually thought I did have the play. We had bad upper respiratory infections. <laughs> I had some other shit going on. It was, uh, it, it was, it was a bad health week, but, um, you know, the, uh, the shows that we did do, we, we, we really kicked ass. We got a great new singer and bass player. Um, you know, the, uh, we have a female singer who is just fucking just knock the old, you know, the old spiritual music out of the park. The new bass player is just unbelievable as well. And that's, uh, you know, it's, you know, we're really looking forward to the, you know, getting this record done and, and getting out there and playing. I, I'd be happy playing every weekend, to be honest with you, or every day would be great. But, uh, you know. It's, uh, so, Ed, um, looking back, you just said you have a new bass player, a new singer. Can you give us an idea of the band's history so people who don't know the band kind of uh, get an appreciation for where you started out to where you are now? Sure. Well, the, this uh, the, the band Spiritual Sickness came out of a came out, came, came out of a band called Act of God that uh, we uh, we started in I believe like 1996. And uh, that was with our original singer, uh, bass player, and drummer. And uh, we did that for quite a long time. Um, and uh, that was, 
we, we changed the name, I believe, in 2006 or seven, because there was actually a Russian death metal band that had the same name, Act of God. So I, uh, being a huge Nevermore fan, um, I, uh, I heard the line Spiritual Sickness in a song, and I kind of dug it. So I trademarked it, you know, and uh, that's, that's where the incarnation of the band went. So it was, those, it was still those members. Um, and uh, then we had uh, uh, Frank Gilchrist was the drummer for a while. He plays with Riot. That that didn't go well. So we uh, we went through a bunch of different drummers until we came across Mark, and he's been here ever since. Thank God. He, uh, he changed my whole perspective on uh, on what was going on. And uh, sadly, our you know uh, the singer. We, you know we went through a few singers as well. The original singer. You know, I guess people just, you know, go their separate ways and that kind of happened. And uh, same thing with the bass player. And uh, I just never gave up. We retired spiritual sickness. Right, Mark? Didn't we after? When did we do that? We did. There was a, even an announcement about it. A few yeah. Back, maybe yeah. in 2016, I think. Yeah. It was after... Uh, after we we also work with Veronica Freeman from uh, from Benedicta, and she's a solo artist. She's known for her uh, another another incredible female vocalist. Um, that's who we toured Europe with. So we decided after that was all over with is to let go of all the old baggage. And then after Mark and I discussed that we were like we're gonna have to start putting all sorts of money into trademarks and doing all that all over again. And I said this this band's known already, so why should we throw all that in the garbage? Why not capitalize on it? I gotta tell you, man, we've had a lot of ups and downs. This game of music can be kindergarten with musical instruments. It can be frustrating. It can be fucking angering. It can be blissful and fucking orgasmic at times. You know what I mean? But uh, it's a ride that I enjoy. And Mark and I are kindred spirits in, in that sense. So we just kept it going and kept it going. And every time we want to give up, we don't. One of us is pushing. And now we're finally back with a lineup that I really think is going to make a big impact. Well, and it sounds like you're in a good place as far as the band is. Absolutely. Currently, you know, um, looking forward to hearing new music from you as well. I think Ben had a question for you. My hand is raised. Hey, Ed, Ben here. Um, What's up, Ben? So you brought up a great point. I played in a band with this gentleman, Mr. Motto, who has now passed. And for a while there, we were playing with so many different drummers because we couldn't get the right drummer. We had, I think we went through three or four drummers and then we auditioned like five or six. And I remember going to places and it's just like, as soon as the guy like picked up his sticks, he said, nope, we're out of here. He could yeah. just tell, so we're gone. And then I kept on saying, well, you know, I, I know this guy, Mark, you know, he used to play. I, you know, he, I think he's still playing. He may want to play. No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. He wanted to go through this whole channel and everything. And the day came, there's just like, yeah, why don't you bring Mark down? Bring Mark down, and as soon as he picked up his sticks, <laughs> we were like, this is the one. And he played, and all of a sudden, Mr. Motto, we always called him Mr. Motto, turned to me. It was a three-piece band. And, and he, he fired said, you? Yes. And he fired you? <laughs> and I don't even play the drums. <laughs> he just fired you for the sake of firing you. Oh my God! Where have you been hiding him? I said I've been telling you him for about, about years. So yeah. <laughs> whatever I said, I've been telling you about him for years. That's it. That's the English. yeah, that thing. And he said, you know what? We could do. He was in a band called Iron Will. He said we could do the Iron Will stuff with him. 
let's start doing this. And that became a really cool project that we did. And we actually we, we, we played for a while. We did one great show. <laughs> And great then show, that was yeah. it. And then Mark and I still kept a bug. We got Dan to join us. We then formed a band called Killjoy. That went on for a while and then led Mark to you. Somehow. But yeah, then, was... I hate to interrupt, but didn't you have a question for Ed? Oh, there's some <laughs> questions. But, but I just wanted to say that. That's an that ad was, for Mark. That was an <laughs> ad for Mark because we can't leave Mark out because you know how drummers are. There's nothing wrong and, with an um, ad for Mark. <laughs> and everything has to be uh, an ad for Mark. So but oh let me God. add to your story, because actually, Ed, um, you may not know this, but when I got that call from Ben, I had not been playing drums. I had been working full time, doing construction, raising a family. You know, um, I was married. I had two stepkids that I was raising. And, um, you know, I just hadn't been playing. I hadn't been playing in a band in years. So when Ben called me up, I said, yeah, you know, I'll try it. I'll do it. And it was then when I started to rehearse with these guys that I realized how out of practice I was because I hadn't played in, I probably hadn't played in like 10 years, um, like seriously. And um, I had to get my chops back just to do what we were doing, you know, and we spent a good probably five or six months rehearsing and getting the music down. And, uh, and then we played our first show. But Ben's phone call brought me back into playing live, playing drums, playing in a band, um, you know, and honoring, honoring the musical part of my life. And I, I will always thank him for that because I don't know when I would have picked up the sticks again and jumped in a band and started playing. And it was after that project ended that I looked at Ben and he looked at me and I said, well, I don't want to stop. And Ben was like, neither I do I. Mm -hmm. And so we got a couple other guys together, Dan included. We got a singer, and we put together Killjoy, and that band was probably around for 12 or 13 years, you know, uh, playing all over Long Island and, and, and the tri-state area and whatnot and recording a couple of albums. And, you know, that was a really cool time in my life. But all of that came from that phone call from Ben um, that kind of got me back into playing drums again. So at that point, I decided I was not going to ever stop playing drums. And when I left Killjoy, when Killjoy ended, I had a lot of people. I'd be out at shows, out at concerts, and people would come up to me and say, what the hell are you doing? Are you playing in a band yet? Are you doing anything else yet? And people would yell at me, you, you better do something. You better get back in a band or whatever. Um, and that was around the time when I met you, Ed, and Spiritual Sickness, uh, reluctantly, because I wasn't really looking for anything. But then when I met Ed, um, I was like, this dude's awesome, and he's an amazing guitar player. And it was Gina that kind of almost begged me to come down because I wasn't even yeah. going to come down and check you Absolutely. guys out. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I'm glad that she did because, you know, she said, just come down, just meet them. Just please come down and meet them. And I was like, all right. And like I said, that was six or seven years ago, and we've been playing together ever since. So uh, things happen in crazy ways for no reason that you can understand. But, you know, there's definitely a reason for everything. And circling back to what you said about you guys push each other to continue no matter how bad the roller coaster ride is good bad whatever it is but you guys support each other so how do you feel about that having somebody who's in your corner no matter what versus a bunch of independent people as a group but no real connection that way 
you know what? It's it's gotten to the point now where uh, in our relationship growing as bandmates and writing music, it's kind of funny. In the beginning, we would talk about shit, and I, and we were always looking at each other for what what our thoughts were. Now it's like me and him just look at each other, and we already know what the answer to is. If we got to get rid of somebody, if there's something fucking going on, <laughs> you know, we already know it. So it's something that we, we have a great friendship. I think maybe once or twice me and him have gotten snippy with each other over the years, but never have we ever really gotten into an argument. Have we ever really had a major disagreement on everything? We're both always kind of one is always conceding to the other, you know, and generally, you know, we're happy that we do that. The, the results are. Really usually pretty good but you know working with a bunch of assholes is no fun because no like i i try to explain to people all the time you know like being in a band with people it's funny like it's like having four or three different dance partners and each one likes to dance a different dance and you have to fucking approach the singer with with these you know with this kind of attitude you have to approach the bass player with this kind of attitude mm-hmm. and it's all this whole fucking bunch of head game bullshit that goes on and finally like we're in a situation but mark and i really haven't had to deal with that between us but now we're finally in a situation where we don't have to deal with that with the bass player or the singer either. Amazingly enough, it's it's like we're all completely on the same fucking page. Which is- oh, that's great to hear because, you know, everybody's experienced that in a band where it's a bunch of people independently playing songs together, but there's no cohesion. There's no, you know, the band first before me kind of thing yeah and that's great to hear that you guys built that that's great um ben had a question for you do i that was his question finally okay cool you're all right. right that's a question <laughs> that is a question so all right um, we also well, had a situation where you know when four people come together in a band or five people however many people come together in a band everybody brings a different experience with them and a different way of doing things and the successful bands are able to kind of uh, work with each other and select a way of writing music, recording music, or whatever their goals are, select a certain way that everybody works together towards these goals. And it means everybody compromises a little bit. Each one of the band members individually changes what they do for everybody to come together and make it work. And like Ed was saying before, sometimes Ed and I just look at each other and we go, okay, it's time to get rid of this one. It sounds like Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley over there. You know? (laughs) Who's the uh, money guy? Well, uh, that, 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 uh, <laughs> well, it's it's whoever it's whoever it has to be, really, is what it comes down to. But you know, it's funny. We we had a we had one incident where uh, a band member walked out. Me and him looked at each other, and I go, "Is that guy the biggest fucking asshole you have?" Had? And he's like, "Oh." <laughs> Uh, and, 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 you know, like, and, and at that point, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to agree with me or not, but the, but, but he just looked at me and he's like, yeah, dude, he's like, that guy's got to go. But, you know, it, it, it's so fucked up. It's like, you know, we, we've always, there's no egos, there's no, you know, there's no anything, man. I've never been like, oh, this is my my thing, I started it, I did it, I did it. without everybody else, I ain't shit, so what's the difference, you know what I mean? And especially, yeah, right. you know. You brought up uh, a good point, you know, it's the whole thing of recognizing who you're playing with, that unselfish attitude, but you're all trying to get the same goal to make the best music you can together. 
Exactly. And the cool thing is Mark loves to play live and loves to tour as much as I do. And that's another thing that's a hard thing to get together. You know, and I should mention that is a bunch of guys like even in the situation that we're in now, our bass player and our singer are totally available to tour if something comes up. We've had situations where we've had to blow tours off because, you know, this one couldn't do it or couldn't get off from work or couldn't do this or couldn't do that. You know, we've made the sacrifices to make playing live in those great situations happen. And to get four people together that can make that happen and work together and play live together, really put on a good sh- You got a better chance to hit the fucking lottery. So, you know, you really know it's, you know. Yeah. We, we had to walk away from a 26-date European tour because yep. of one member that couldn't do it or wouldn't do it or didn't want yeah, to, it, afraid well, to do it, whatever it was. To this day, if somebody asked me about exactly why that happened, I couldn't fucking tell you. If you offered me a million dollars, I wouldn't be able to answer that question. I'm not going to take for granted the situation that I have right now. And you have to respect who you're playing with. I think it's kind of important that there's, there's a certain amount of camaraderie in a band. There's bands that, that, that have played together for long periods of time that hate each other's guts. I, I kind of, I'm not a fake kind of guy like that. I'd probably fucking clock somebody over the head with my guitar at that point <laughs> if, if, if it got to that situation. And because of the type of player, guitar player that I am, I'm, I'm pretty much self-taught um, in, in t- until I got, like, until I turned, like, 49. Then... Uh, I started taking lessons from all sorts of different guys. Uh, a fellow named Matt Wicklin, he's a guitar player in Ghost Ship Octavius. He was also in, uh, God forbid, Steve Smythe. He was in Forbidden Testament. Uh, I mean, I got a list. Jeff Loomis, I study with him sometime. When you get older, your kids are grown up. You know, your family is, you know, kind of in a, in a safe situation. Now you have time to do these things again. So I'm, I'm a more from, you know, an off-the-cuff from the heart, even on my own solos, I usually play things note for note. But so a lot of times, the feeling's right. I love to improvise when I'm playing live. And uh, when you're in a situation that I know that I got Mark backing me up and he knows what I'm doing, and we can get through putting changes into songs while we're playing live and stuff like that, uh, you know, um, it's a very comforting feeling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm super aggressive. I beat the living shit out of my instruments. Um, so you're a percussive mm-hmm. guitar player. Yeah, pretty much, man. Yeah, I, and I, then, you know, it's cool that... Uh, you have such a good rapport with Mark so that he can sense what you're doing on the guitar and translate that onto the drums and vice versa because you guys play together. Yep. You have that comfort level that you know what the other guy's going to do. Yep, That's absolutely. awesome because it, it, it takes so much time to build that with people, especially if they're coming in and out of your bed. Well, you know, you know, the funny thing, too, is uh, it, it's it's like we even our sense of humor, you know what I'm saying? We, we, you know, it's, it's like, it, it, it's, we just get along really well, uh, you know, and, and which is like, again, it's hard to do. I mean, we had certain people in our band that were like, um, could you do me a favor and wink? 
when you're when you're kidding around, so I know that you're not, you know, that you're only joking. And you know, oh, it was like, God. yeah, dude, like she, dude, she, I'd have like seizures from winking my eyes up and down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my style's my own. Uh, that's one thing I'm very proud of. Big Tony Iommi fan. I mean, it all started with Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw the song remains the same, and I was, I think, 12 years old, and I was like, all right. I need to become a guitar player. This is the shit. So, so I, you got infected with uh, Jimmy Pageitis. Oh, absolutely. Man. Fever grew. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then uh, as time went on, you know, started to get into different stuff. So then came Black Sabbath. And then as soon as, as, soon as I heard Sabbath, and then I realized I only was like tuning it down as guitars. I think in the last 20 years, I, I probably wrote three songs that were in standard tuning. Everything else is fucking drop tunings. I play seven string on a bunch of stuff. I'm dropping A tunings. And I love the Doom sound. I had the Iron Maiden period. Rush. I, I mean, I could go on for days about Alex Lifeson. I have a pretty vast array of uh, influencing guitar players. Mount Steve. You could go by the list, but... You could hear a little bit of each one of those guys and some of the stuff that I do, at least I'm told that. That's basically where I come from. And I'm at that point now where my mental state totally affects the way that I write music, the way that I play live. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. But I'm, uh, that's me, man. Speaking of your yeah. mental state. Where do you stand on um, microtonal music? Oh, so you really? <laughs> come on, man. That was a prior podcast where oh, Ben went man. off on some nonsensical he explained to us the you know, theory trip. behind microtonal micro i can't even say <laughs> microtonal <laughs> music ism all right is that, all right we're, don't is worry that a about new it donut that dunkin donut has i'm not sure yeah that's the micro <laughs> but you you touched on something that i wanted to talk about uh you said you sometimes uh, play a guitar that has seven strings yeah, yeah. so i'm a bass player and he has barely, trouble with four strings, four uh, strings. Uh, so i see these bass uh, players with five strings well, eight strings and all this wait, fun stuff he's got a fretless so <laughs> it, it, it's less wear and tear on his hand. Oh, that's great. That's no, great. Ben's a fucking awesome bass player. We'll... No, I'm not. Okay. okay so, um, <laughs> so the seven string, what does that give you that one extra string, Ben? Well, yeah. It's it, like, it, why it's does it go to 11? Extra string. Instead of Is it now, strings, before, it before we go yeah. any further, <laughs> yeah, don't look at this. It has seven strings. Yeah, like my seven before fingers. Before we go any further, when you say the seven string, is it a lower string or a higher Yes, string? it is. No, no, it's a lower string. Oh. Uh, in, in, in a standard okay, tuning, now I sound this in a standard tuning, the bottom string would be a B. And I'll take that and I'll drop that down even lower. Oh, and, uh, and the thing is, too, I actually use a 62 gauge string on my. I was about to say, how do you keep the tension on it? Because yeah, exactly. And and in this room, there's a lot of tension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a long scale length as well. It's got a 26 and a half inch scale, so it, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of tension on the string. So you can you can basically work with low tunings. I use big strings on that guitar, but it's just another way of getting down there. I mean, Loomis was my big influence on seven string stuff. I mean, he's the master of anything seven string. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's really anybody better. That's where that came from. And on top of that, when you realize that you can even hit lower notes than into the void, you know, and stuff like that. It's Only like, dogs could hear the frequency. It, you know? It's just amazing. The one thing I love about fucking around with different tunings, drop C, drop D, we, we tune the whole guitar, half step down, and I'm still dropping my top strings now, is that it, it gives you 
different ways to get different ideas. You know what I mean? So you can be stuck in a rut. All of a sudden, you'll just say, let me, let me fuck with this tuning. All of a sudden, you'll play the same thing, and it'll be like, holy fuck, did that just come mm-hmm. to life? So it just gives you different angles to write with, which is, to me is, you know, the more so Isn't it more elastic feeling than having a regular six-string guitar tuned a half step or a full step down? Like when you're playing your seven string, is it that kind of feeling you get? Or is that why you use the uh, extra thick gauge strings? No, I use the biggest strings. So the tuning of my seven string is standard tuning. And then the B string, which is the thickest string, um, that's, the, that's the only string on the seven string that I'll alter the tuning on. On my six strings, we, we have the guitar drop the half step down right off the get-go and then i'm dropping down to what would be a b on my my top string or or a c or a c sharp those guitars i put bigger strings on so i don't have that slapping around because you know my my hands it's very very simple to play out of tune when you have strings that have no tension on them you could be sitting there just holding on to a chord and if you just even like move your finger slightly the whole chord can go out of tune so it's something you have to get used to you know yeah Ed, you mentioned before. <laughs> Mark's touching Ben. You mentioned before uh, Jeff Loomis. Is that is that your best friend? Jeff Loomis is my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I thought I was your best friend, you son of a bitch. Fuck off. You're just a drummer. Mark's, Mark's yeah, nobody's friend. It. You're a drummer. Go ahead, no, because, Ben. Okay, because I was... Nobody the- cares. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Every podcast, Mark just jumps on Ben. Parkway South back in the mid '80s asked me to join in the band. Nobody cares. So I walked in (laughs) and whipped out out my bass, and they all applauded because it only had four strings. They kicked the other guy out because he was playing like five strings, and he kept on having to retune and do this and do that and everything like that. Make a long story short, they hired him back. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i suck on bass so ed we're talking about uh touring and now you guys are back into touring can you give us a little perspective on how different it was touring in europe because a lot of people like i said don't get that opportunity and they don't understand all the stuff that you guys go through regarding country to country going through customs um you don't bring your own equipment because you can't you know, lug it over, you know, your amps and stuff. And I'm sure that you have your favorite amp that you like to play. You know the sound. You like to control your tone and all that. How did that affect you when you guys were touring in Europe? I'll just give you a little liner note on that one. Before we left, we had a lot of anxiety about what was going to happen between traveling from country to country, worrying about crossing the borders, worrying about being Americans in a foreign land. Um, And then as far as the gear is concerned, in in my studio, I use what's called a Kemper Profiler. It's a a modeling type of amplifier. It's full of, you can make profiles of any amp that you have and and they're pretty accurate. So I was lucky enough to be able to have one of those to bring with me. And I just used the cabinets in every club. And so my sound was fairly consistent. There's nothing worse in the world than plugging into a rig and not having a sound that's giving you kinetic feedback. You you can just blow your whole fucking show. Yeah, as a guitar player, you're definitely a slave to your tone. Exactly. You have to have what you feel comfortable with. You know, you play with backline stuff that's not up to par with what you have. So it affects the performance because you're like struggling to get your sound 
and you don't have the time to tweak the amp because you're going right on stage. So yeah. Yeah. what you just said is a really, really good idea to have, you know, that kind of modeling amp with you that you could travel with. And, and you know, you know what's even cooler about this this specific amp is that you can you can dump so said profiles onto a thumb drive, and you can go over to Europe and you can rent one of these things, and you can just upload all your profiles into it, and you're in the same position. So I was, I myself personally was, I was very lucky to be able to do that, and I didn't suffer any bad mishaps with my tone. As far as, far as us traveling, we landed in Germany, and uh, we drove through the first border that we drove through was uh was the swiss border Munch. we get to the border check all of a sudden the guy opens up the door i'm drooling out of the corner of my mouth because <laughs> I, I i hate flying so i took a bunch of xanax which had a prescription. oh i thought you were talking to mark and fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> no you probably yeah but so, Wait, so did anyway, he touch was, you while you were passed out yeah on the i think I, I felt weird yeah. things my pants um, were undone <laughs> why does my ass hurt Exactly. Exactly. My smart smiling from ear to ear. I'm sorry. Go on, please. I, sure. I, I actually had my own little my own little space in there. But uh, so we get to the first border, you know, and I'm like, oh fuck! I had this big bag of medicine with me, like this big giant Ziploc bag, and I'm like, oh fuck! This guy's gonna be going through all my shit. And all of a sudden, he sees our singer, and she was a little stout in the bazoom, and he started talking to her, and that was the end of that. It had like 10 kilos of heroin. Yeah. You know, he, he said to us, he goes, do you guys have any drugs? And she goes, oh, my, no. And that was the end of that. So, oh. so. Uh, Fraulein, do you have any drugs? Exactly. Nine. So, so we, so you know, we, but, but you know what's fucked up? The entire rest of the time that we were there, we did not do any border stops. I never showed anybody my passport. We were in 13 or 14 different countries. I didn't see one police officer the entire fucking time we were there. Okay. I mean, right. We, we, Even we, when we, they broke into our van in Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, luckily, I would take all of our stuff in every night, man. I'm like walking down the street, two guitar cases, my modeling amp strapped around my back, a backpack on. I mean, I think I lost like fucking 25 pounds on that for about the time I got home. Yeah, and he and, made uh, me drag all my shit in the in the hotel rooms what, too. My cymbals, my snare drum. Oh, yeah. But the good thing you did because otherwise you wouldn't have it right now. So if you guys brought well, most of your equipment in with you, what did they steal? They, they didn't they, steal anything. They just broke the windows. They, they broke the dude's windows, and I think they stole like they stole some bullshit from him. And then he tried to tell me, well, the contract says you must pay for window. I go, send me a fucking bill. <laughs> and he, he never got one. So but, in your rows well, or <laughs> we we just real quick we flew into Munich and we decided against trying to find a hotel because it was Oktoberfest. Mm. So we decided we were going to drive to Switzerland right from the right from the airport. So we already flew eight hours to Germany, and then I don't even know if it was another how many hours to Switzerland from Germany in the van. We were in that van for three and a half hours, dude. Yikes. Yeah, so that was a long day of travel. But once we got to Switzerland, it was gorgeous there, man. Mm. Yeah, it was we were fun. up in the mountains. It was beautiful. The air was crisp and clean. Wow, so you guys all were the, hanging in the Alps. All the yeah. buildings, when you look out at a hotel room, look like they were just built yesterday. 
spotless clean everything. Oh. It was fantastic. What city was that? Geneva or <clears throat> no? We were in. Um... Where the fuck were we, Mark? Oh um, shit! Oh Christ! Yes, I gotta look it up right now. Well, okay, I don't want to. You know, that's... you don't want to grind everything to a halt. Yeah, thanks. But <laughs> I no, need wait, 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 can you hold on a minute? <laughs> no, wait, wait. And we're going to commercial. We'll be right back. <laughs> I, I needed a piece of equipment. I needed a music stand because we were running tracks, and I had a mixer. I had the iPad um, and a couple of other things I needed to run the tracks from behind the drums. And um, we went to a local music store, and three out of the four walls of the music store were covered in accordions. That's what I, I was really <laughs> yeah. about to say that. It's a smart ass. Any, any kind of accordion you could think of. Electric accordion? Electric Rulers. accordions. Rollins, Yamahas, wow. like all the major wow. manufacturers. Hendrix had an electric accordion. Mm -hmm. so Little did you know. I did not know that. Well, now some you know. were made out of bone. Some were aluminum. <laughs> some were wood. Some Who's were bones? just <laughs> just like a bone, like a bone finish. It was unbelievable. I never seen anything like it before. That was part one of our interview with Ed Mischke of Spiritual Sickness. We will bring you part two over the next couple of days, so keep checking back. Thanks a lot for listening to the Drinking with Friends podcast, and stay tuned because soon we will have our Christmas spectacular. So spread the word, tell your friends, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and like our episodes and keep listening.